0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, grab your Bibles. We'll get started here. All right, you don't need to open up to a particular spot, but we're going to be all over it. Um, Let me pray for us. Father, um, I ask that you would guide and direct us um, and that your purposes would happen. Uh, This is a different approach we're taking, um, but ultimately we do all of this because we want to to know you better and to follow you closer. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So I was supposed to bring this up the past couple weeks and I just keep forgetting about it because to me it's every day. But um, some people have asked the question, so it needs to be addressed. They're like, well, with Boog's health, what's going to happen with branches? And with my health, this is how we look at it. God's given me the strength to move, to serve, and as long as he gives us strength, that's what we do, right? We sing these songs that say, every breath you give me, I will give back to you. Every, every, um, every movement, every, uh, the strength you give me, I will give it back. We say these things but do we believe him? And the reality is God has given us strength, and whatever strength he has given us, whether it's less or more than someone else, it's to be used for his glory. And what I've noticed for me is the times especially when, I, when it's clearly set aside for him, I seem to have more strength. Um, I've seen it happen time and time again. So for us, the Lord's carrying us, and he's going to carry us as far as he wants us to go, and so Nothing's going to change until he steps in and takes away all strength and all breath, which we don't see happening. But I think that's important for us to say because all of us are going through our things. And so just wanted you to know that. I'll probably say it a couple times from now because the people that weren't here this time, and you know know how it works. You're here, you're not here, you know how that goes. So we are going through the Bible, and we are studying the Bible, where it came from, and what to do with it. And so when I... First, kind of came in contact with the Bible where I actually wanted to open it up was at this youth group, um, and they it was a Nazarene church and they have these things called Nazarene manuals, which is like um, passages of scripture and they kind of put it in order. And so I'd never really gone to church and I walk in and they had a manual. I'm like, oh, that makes it so much easier because it was a lot smaller than the Bible, right? The Bible was like this thick. And then you had this little black manual, and it was black and it said manual on it. You know, almost like, oh, pull the manual out of the glove box so we know how to change the spark plugs. Oh, how do I live life? Oh, there's the manual. It was right there, this little manual. And I was in high school, and my life was in disarray. And when you're in high school and you're teenage, you don't really think about it, but you're looking for structure. You're looking for direction. And so I took this manual to start creating that structure I didn't think through all this but looking back you can see the pieces coming together and then what I did is I went to the Bible and I started um, so they had verses and I take those verses and I started writing them down I had one of those old um, DOS computers where you'd have to say run colon you know and all that so I created all these little things and printed out my little dot matrix and I had all these papers and I'm not like a religious dude I'm just some 16-year-old surfer that found some structure, and I took this Bible. And I'm like, all right, now I can turn this into my, my manual. In fact, um, one of the things I grabbed onto was someone said, the Bible, um, basic instructions before leaving earth. And I was like, yeah, that sounds so cool. That is totally wrong. <laughs> because what we're doing is, is we're trying to take this and turn it into what we want it to be. This is my question for us this morning. Are you reading the Bible, or is the Bible reading you? And what we tend to do is take things and make them fit for us and work for us. And in the way that the Bible was created, that's not the way it should be. We're trying to pull things out that weren't meant to be in there because we want that. That's what we're looking for. I want instructions. I want self-help. I want... Um, encouragement. I I need some, I need a lift. I'm depressed. So, we we come to this trying to pull out what we want. Now, my daughter um, decided she couldn't do elementary today, so she's going to have to help me. If you're not going to go to your class, you got to come here and work. So, come on up, because I need you to hold these. Come on up, care. So, we play this, uh, I play a game with the two girls in my house. Come on up, care. So, they'll come home with different bags, and there's certain bags they come with, so I'll give you a bag, and then you Hold it up high so everybody can see it, okay? This is Karis. This is my youngest. I think you've heard about her. Um, so when this bag comes, hold this up so they can see it. So when this bag comes, I know what to look for. There's going to be some kind of food in here, and this one kind of cheers me up. I'm kind of excited about this one. So this bag, when it comes, I know what's going to be in it because, well, it's a giveaway, right? Okay, can you grab that one? Okay, and what does that say, Karis? I say it loud. (laughs) Supercuts. So I know they've been to where Aunt Brie works, and they're going to come back with some kind of hair product. And I know it's not for me. So when I see this bag, I know there's nothing for me in this bag. Like that's I I don't think that's ever happened. So this bag's like oh, okay. Now this bag showed up um, after uh, Stephanie and Karis. Someone we don't still don't know who they are gave some tickets. You might want to turn around. The picture will help out a little bit more. They came home from a concert with this bag. So this is a Taylor Swift bag. Now, they came back from the concert, so I knew, oh, they bought merchandise. And I just thought about how much that merchandise cost. It was like this little game I'm playing in my head. Now, I know there's gonna be no food in this because this is the Taylor Swift bag. They don't sell food there for you to bring home. Um, I'm sure they ate there, $18 hot dogs or something, but I knew that this was gonna have merchandise in it, okay? Um, we'll skip over this bag. And this is the deadly bag right here. This is the bag when it comes, you just kind of take a deep breath and you're like, I love you. I do. I've got to go cry. So I know also that nothing for me is going to come here, but there's going to be clothes. I know there's going to be clothes in this one. There's not going to be auto parts. There's not going to be fertilizer for the yard. This is going to be clothes. Thank you, Karis, for your help. You can go sit down now. Now, we've talked about the Bible and how it came to be. Um, It is a mixture of books. Bible, Biblia, means library. This is filled with books. And I want you to imagine it as if they were all different bags, Because they're all different styles, there's all different intentions and purposes, and you can't just pull out of it what you want. Just like you can't go into the Nordstrom's bag and pull out Taylor Swift merchandise, just like you can't pop into the Trader Joe's bag and find a new pair of shoes, it's like you need to accept it for what it is instead of trying to turn it into something that you want it to be. Because I need this, I need this. And so you're trying to read the Bible. You're trying to, well, what does it say about this? And I'm gonna find it. And we have all these little verses and we pull them out and we make it fit for us, which we're gonna look at here in a second. We're gonna pull out some of the scriptures. But I want us to go over again how the Bible came to be. And so um, the way I'm gonna do this is you grab your Bible because I want you to have this in your hand. So grab it and look at the first five books of the Bible. Okay, this is called the law, the Torah. Remember we talked about it. When they wrote it, they read it on parchment and it would be in a roll that if you rolled it out, it'd be 150 feet long, and it was just this—the the history of um the history of the of the Jewish people. And for the most part, we we know for sure that it was put together by 200 BC, but much longer than that, the Old Testament was put together, most likely around 300 400. But the first five books they have a purpose; they were there for a reason. They were the accepted holy words of God the people didn't have to go okay we got a lot of books here we need some kind of bible that's not how it happened they had these holy scriptures they knew that people had met with God and interacted and they passed it down and then they started to write it down and then they said you know what let's just make this official that's how it came about but you need to know the purpose behind it so they were supposed to be history right But how many times do we come to the Bible narcissistically and we just kind of go, well, I need something for me. And so you're looking for some direction or guidance. And what you're looking at is history. That's what it was intended to be. And if you look at these um, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, especially Leviticus and Deuteronomy, those were laws. So it wasn't meant to be narrative or history. It was meant to be law. And so this is how God asked the people of Israel to live. Now this is written to the people of Israel. And so a lot of times people will look through the Bible and they'll pull out different scriptures that they think fit them and they'll take it completely out of context. But you need to know that this law was for those people. And Jesus said, look, I'm not getting rid of the law, I'm fulfilling it. But you need to know what was in that bag instead of trying to get what you want out of it. Wisdom, okay, the wisdom books. Okay, this is a little test here. Who knows what the give me two of the wisdom books. Anyone want to give it a shot? Proverbs. Proverbs. What else? Ecclesiastes. Yes, someone said it, heard it. Eh, eh. There's a few books in there. They, they were Job. Okay, I'm going to blow your mind here because everyone goes, oh, Job. You know the guy Job. There was no guy named Job. <laughs> Do you understand that? That was meant to be wisdom. This is how God moves. And so all of us pretty much understand that the book of Job is a book of wisdom. Think about that. It's like we're going to get into that a little bit deeper here, but we want to make it into what we want it to be, don't we? You try to turn that into history when that was never the intention behind it. We cannot take the word of God and turn it into what we want it to be. There's poetry in there. There's there's, there's human, there's human emotions, people talking to God, addressing God. So how does that become the word of God? You can't look at the Psalms and go, this is what God's telling me. He may be teaching you something through it, but it was man addressing God in all of its range, which is why when we look at it, we're like, why is this in the Bible? Because it's man addressing God. We've got these other books. We have a bunch of prophecies. We've got the gospel, which is the good news, telling the story of Jesus. So it's history, it's narrative. It has. If I were to reach into this bag, I could pull out parables because parables are another section of literature that are in there that serve a purpose, and we need to know what that purpose is. There's letters that were written to a particular people, so you can't just look in that and pull it out and go, this is for me. It's all about me because the Bible is not all about us. Are you reading the Bible or are you allowing the Bible to read you? There's romance in there. In fact, it's one of the books they tried to kick out. They're like, I don't know if we should leave this in there. You know, the songs, the psalm of songs. It's there. So imagine trying to pull out law from the romance part, right? You've got to pull out the correct thing, what it was intended, so you have to know the intentions. And I'm going to show how we do this. So if you could, um, we're going to jump ahead here to Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a famous verse We love this verse. (coughs) Most people have it in their house. They'll have it in their, um, we have ours in our bathroom. We have one right there. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that beautiful? That is a beautiful promise. And it's a promise that we take. And there's these scriptures that are, if you've been to someone's house, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing when you grow up like I did not growing up in a home where there was scripture or even a faith. And when you walk into a house where there's scripture on the walls, it's something something changes. Even when you're not from that background or that tradition. And I remember walking into people's houses and seeing these powerful verses and they can stand on their own. However, as you grow in your faith, you need to start to study. The things we're talking about are not that difficult the things that we're addressing right now, you know how you think you have to go to seminary to understand God's word? That is bull. I've been there, okay? The books that we sometimes recommend to you to read, the one that we're recommending for this series, Playing With Fire, seminary book, you can read it. It's not, it's it's as if, There's this concept that if you go to these schools, these Bible schools, they're going to give you what nobody else can give you. And yet I've been in those schools, I've gone through it, I've gotten the degrees, and I've been with people outside who blow me away because they decide I'm going to get into this and discover this. I'm going to look into the background. Do you have a study Bible? Those study Bibles are magical. They have so much information in there. So many things that would help us to just pull this apart. Like, for example, who wrote the book? When did they write it? Where did they write it from? What did they write it for? So when you look here at Jeremiah 29 11, you don't walk around going, but Lord, you said you had plans for me. Because this is from Jeremiah. This is for the people of Israel. This was written because of what they were going through. Now, it reveals to us the nature of God and how he interacted with his people in Israel. But that doesn't mean you can just take this out and apply it to yourself, Right? If my wife were to write down, I love you and I will never leave you, she wrote it to me, okay? Dustin, that's not for you. You can grab that paper and go, look, that's, no, no, she wrote it to me, for me, it's mine, you can't have it. Let's look at this passage in the larger scope. Of course, the letters had to get smaller, but you can handle it. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says, and he's talking to the people of Israel, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. Let that sink in. Hey, I know that you're in captivity, I know you're in Babylon, but 70 years from now, I'm like, well, I'm 45, oh, you're killing me. Like, he's talking to the whole people, he's giving them this promise, which is underlined, the same verse we just went through, but I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place When 70 years have passed, what does that reveal to us about God's nature? He's in no hurry. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God has a plan. Because I know the plans I have for you. He's talking to these people. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. This isn't happening because God wants to punish them. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then, when then, 70 years from now, or in the midst of those 70 years, you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And all we had to do is read that in context, was read what came before and after. When we come to the word of God, we have to remember where it came from. Last week when we went through um, the prophets and we went through the gospel writers and we talked about um, how they chose the canon and then we talked about how they passed it on and how they got it to um, the different languages. We can't be lazy with this. We can't just go, oh, that's a great verse, Yeah, but what's the context? Where did it come from? It's not that much work. And for something that we consider holy, if that's what you consider the, the Bible, if you consider it holy, then you've got to put in the extra work. And it's not that much work. Let's look at another verse. Another example of how we can look at a passage, Proverbs, from the wisdom books. We can look at that, and we can try to take out of it what wasn't intended. We try to pull out of the bag something that doesn't come in that bag. So let's look at the, the Proverbs passage. This is one um, that when I first had kids, I'd heard of this verse. I never looked it up though, right? Because why look it up? It doesn't apply to me. <coughs> and that's how we approach the word a lot of times. Well, does it have anything to do with me? Because if it doesn't, I don't have time for it. So I didn't have time for this until I had children. Proverbs 22.6, one of the many um, in Proverbs that talks about uh, raising a family. Start children off. On the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So, Karis, are you going to write that down now and then hang it up in your room? You know, you could. It's something to consider. Just saying. Speaking of writing, those notes, those little note cards that we have that say "notes." That's for you to write notes so that you can look up this stuff. Because what if I'm making this stuff up? Are you even checking back? Checking me? Check these things out. Proverbs twenty-two six. So you look at this passage and you're like, oh. Good, that is an amazing promise. If I start her off on the way she should go, even when she's old, she's gonna come back to it. How many people do you know that never come back? There's lots. Some of you are parents, older parents, and you have children that did not come back to the way that you started them off. And so then you immediately blame yourself that I must not have done it right. This is not a promise It's from the wisdom books. It's from Proverbs. It's wise. It's common sense. But it's not a promise. Think of Jesus when he spoke of of the two sons, right? The elder son and the younger son. The younger son went off. He didn't come back to go back to the ways he went to. He came back just so he could eat. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So you have this father who's done everything right, and yet his son takes off anyways. That's how life works sometimes because we're all given the choice of how we're going to live. And so this is wisdom, but it wasn't meant to be a promise. It's reaching into the bag of wisdom and hoping to pull out law when it wasn't intended. That wasn't the intention. The, The Proverbs are a collection, a lot of them from Solomon, we believe, but collections of all the wisdom where they said, yes, this is wise. This is common sense. This is This is smart to build your life on this. Don't get in debt. To get up early in the morning and work hard. To to look for a wife, not because of what she looks like, but for who she is. Wisdom. So we need to pull out what God intended to come out of that instead of reaching in and just trying to get whatever we want. Being lazy. This book is too dangerous for us to just reach in and pull out what we want. We can make a bigger mess of things. And here's the last verse we're going to look at. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So, for example, this verse can be written on a wall, or, but it typically comes up when people want God to show up. And so let's say, you know, Shane and I are hanging out, and um, we have uh, another friend that we bring in. We bring in Matt. He comes and joins us. And um, we're sitting there, and we just go, you know what? Where two or more gathered, he's here with us. You know what? He was there when Shane was by himself. This passage, we pull it out, we just reach in, we pull it out on its own. And you can even say this in front of people that have grown up in the church, and you don't even have to finish the sentence. Where two or three are gathered, and you just stop. And all the other people, yep, God's there. But what was the context? What was the intention behind this? Let's look at it in the larger setting here. So we know we're in Matthew, and we know that Matthew wrote it. um, He was one of the followers of Jesus. He wrote it uh, shortly afterwards to, especially he wrote it to the Jews. Because to show that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah. The promises of the Messiah. There was a purpose behind that. You need to know that when you read the book of Matthew. You're like, why is he always giving background on Jewish tradition? That's why. And the intention of Matthew is to reveal who Jesus is. That's what the purpose of all the Gospels are. But yet we look in the Gospels so often trying to pull out something for us. When the intention almost all the time is to point back towards Jesus. For example, one of the passages we almost looked at was the calming of the storm. And anytime time that's brought up, people will say, see, God can calm the storms in your life. That wasn't the intention of that story being shared. The intention of that story being shared was to show that the Messiah is in charge of nature. That's why they were afraid. They're like, whoa, this guy can calm the seas and the wind. And yet we look into it narcissistically. Well, I'm in a storm, and is God sleeping? I should trust him. We're making it about us when it was meant to be about the Messiah because that's what the Gospels are about, There's teaching in there. They're in the parables. There's teaching where Jesus pulled aside and gave direction. But we need to know the bag from which this comes from. And this passage right here, you see the underline down there at the bottom. We have to put it in its context. What was the purpose? Why why was this written down? So don't pull it on its own. Let's start verse 15. If a brother or sister sins, go and point out the fault. Just between the two of you. So, this is talking about conflict. This is talking about um, dissension within the church, a brother or sister. It's not like, hey, this is my brother. He's two years younger. No, this is like your brother or sister in Christ, part of the same church. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two other people with you. So, you have this conflict, right? You have this conflict with me. So, you come and talk to me, and you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, you're totally right. You come to me. And I say, hmm, not so much. Then you go, okay, let's go get Melissa and let's have her and I talk to him because I don't think he's hearing it. Well, what if Melissa's like, you're crazy. You're the one that's nuts. But what if she's like, oh, my gosh, that hap- we need to go deal with this. So they both come, right? Um, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. But they come to me. I still refuse to listen. They say, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, okay, what are they asking for? See, I can take that verse out. Have you ever quoted that verse or heard someone, hey, the Lord said, whatever you want, you can get, no, it's referring to conflict. Truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, if Melissa and, I can't remember who you were coming, oh, was Shane. Was Shane the one that had the problem with me? Hey, stand up for yourself. Who was it that had a problem with me? There was someone that came up with Melissa, but whoever you were, I'm making this up, but whoever would come up, the two of them, if they agree, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. This is talking about dealing with, with conflict. This is talking about dealing with disagreement, arguments, quarreling. And yet we pull this verse out and use it for something completely different because that's what we do. We try to turn the Bible into a manual. or We try to turn it into a self-help book or we turn it into a, um, a good novel. But we need to take the Bible for what it presents itself to us rather than what we want it to be. That is the major point that I'm trying to get across this morning. It isn't one of those life changing, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I'm lifted high. It's like you just left and now you have homework. You're like, oh, why did that feel like seventh grade again? Like I just came to church and now I still got a good study Bible and I got. Yeah, you do. Because if you're choosing to follow Christ and you're choosing to trust these as the Holy Scriptures, one, you have to decide are these holy? Where did they come from? I, You can write down the notes that I tell you, but you need to do this on your own. You need to get your own hands into the dirt. And as you're digging in, these are just a few verses I pulled out. These are some of the most common misused ones. That doesn't mean that the Bible is this crazy book you can't understand. It just means put a little bit more effort in. I mean, think about it when you did those book reports when you were growing up. You knew when you turned it in, they could tell you, you didn't read this book, did you? (laughs) Like, it was obvious. Unfortunately, the church, so often it's like, I don't read that book. I just come, and they give me some highlights. They kind of underline some stuff. They pull some things out. You need to make a decision. Do you trust this as the word of God? If so, it's not that much work. A study Bible, what is it, like $12.99? Google, free. You're already paying for the Internet, so you can Pinterest and Keep up with the sports scores. Might as well get some of the real stuff that's in there also, this amazing knowledge, and you can back check it and check them against each other. But put your own effort into it because you trust that this is the word of God and you want to come to it as it is and let it affect you rather than you trying to control it and manipulate it to go where you want it to go because it's not going to work that way. It just doesn't work that way. So these are some starting points. I already gave you some backgrounds on the bags if you want I'm putting those in the trash if you want to take them home and hang them up you're welcome to take them first come first serve but that kind of breaks down some of the books so approach those as they were written what if as a married couple you went through the song songs of Solomon or the song of songs what you're gonna blush when you read that I'm just warning you ahead of time single dudes and single girls you're like why did they tell me to read this Like It's a romance thing. It's about love, but it also talks about love between God and man. I am my beloved and he is mine. But this is talking about love about a man and a woman. Powerful stuff. Approach, know those books. Know what's a wisdom book. Know that Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book. So when you hear Solomon say the things he says, you're not like, wait, what's going on? Because this is a man looking at his life and life in general and giving his take on it. And he makes it clear, this is my take. So you're not like, wait. And as you're going through the Proverbs, you can't go, well, why isn't this happening? You're like, oh, well, of course, this is wisdom. This is common sense. In fact, the way Proverbs is set up, it has 31 chapters. You could read a chapter a day. And if it's the 31st of the day, boom, you're in, right? Because you have the 31st chapter. Now, let's say you get to Proverbs um, uh, 29, and it's February, and there's no 29. That's okay. You just stop there at 28, you start over at number one. But that's Proverbs. It's this great wisdom there. What a great way to start your day. But approach it as it is, not as you want it to be. So, what we're going to start to do now is I'm going to start presenting to you seminary books over the next three weeks. These are books that you can get online, these are books you can find. I'll try to have it on Facebook as well. Um, these are not difficult books. But they will help you and teach you how better to study the Word of God. Not so that you can impress people, not so that you can do something with it, not so that you can read it, but so that it can read you. Because that's what God's Word was intended to do, to to turn us on fire. Jeremiah, and I'll close with this, when he wrote um, his prophecies and they were written down by others and, and shared, he said, There's a fire in my bones and I have to let it out. That's the word of God. And there's going to be times when you come face to face with the word of God and you're not just reading literature. You're not just reading wisdom. You're not just reading romance. You're not reading law. You're not reading gospel. God is reading you. And there's this fire that's going to start within you and you're gonna know what Jeremiah's talking about. Somebody pray for us, invite up the worship team. If you could stand with me. Father, we, uh, we want to surrender to you. We want to completely surrender um, our mind, our time, our treasure, and lay it at your feet. I ask that you would grow us as the people of God in knowing your word and looking at it as it is and not as we want it to be. We surrender to you in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.